This is the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Filling in for JT this week, it's Las Vegas native and member of Raider Nation, Jason Fitz. I mean, it's not really the JT The Brick Show. It's more of the fifth quarter taking over. Yes, and I'm sir. trying to figure out why the voice of God didn't include my guy, Eddie Pascal. Like, Eddie... Dude, don't you know people in the building? What, what just happened? Dude, I, I, look, I had the exact same reaction that you did, Fitz. Our, our guy, Damon, is dying right now behind the scenes. But we had the, the voice of God comes in. Welcome, Jason Fitz. Raiders legend, Vegas legend, Jason Fitz. That's it. I'm, I mean, I'm here too, man. I'm here too. Oh, we're all trying to eat. We're all trying to eat. Damon, what's going on here, brother? Tomorrow, you're going to be in it, Eddie. Yeah, famous last words, Damon. Famous I mean, I, I don't know. Like, maybe we're just going full. Like, it took me three seconds to get to an 80s wrestling analogy. But maybe we're just going full Midnight Rockers. At some point, one of us has to be Shawn Michaels. And at some, of us, at some point, one of us has to be Marty Jannetty. I mean, it, it's not. It, it's all good. Like, it take a dynamic duo. But, you know, top building. Just you came. know what this is, Fitz? Is I, mm. I think that this is a little karma coming back to me. Because remember, I was texting you last week when we were on 920 separately. And I was like, oh, you're my opening act, and I'm coming on as a mm-hmm. headliner. And I compared you to the Doobie Brothers, and I was like, I get to be Zach Brown band in this scenario. And, uh, and I guess that uh, Zach Brown is, is now opening for the Doobies. So. Well, I don't know that that'll ever happen, but I'm still trying to figure out why I'm the old man band in this. All right, it is obviously Raider Nation Radio. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. And for the next couple of days, we're going to be hanging out in this slot. JT the Brick getting a much-deserved uh, little break. In the meantime... We're going to be hanging out with you guys, and we want you guys to be active in the conversation. A lot of good stuff going on around the Raiders right now. Raider Nation, obviously hyped up. You know how to get in on the call. 702-365-9200. You can also text the show, RNR69187, RNR69187, because we're going to ask you guys a question out of the gates. Who is the most surprising contributor at this point? Like, who's your... Uh, off the radar, oh my God, I can't believe this guy has done this for this team so far through the first half of the season. Because, Eddie, you and I have talked a lot about it on the fifth quarter after the games, but realistically, you got to look at this team and say, holy cow, there are a lot of people contributing we didn't expect. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of the 2021 Raiders. This has been a year of things happening that we did not necessarily expect. So I, I think for me, I mean, like you said, we have dozens, literally dozens of candidates that are, are good choices. But for me, just kicking it off, I think Solomon Thomas is a guy, is the first one that comes to mind for me. Arguably the best interior rusher of this team, and a guy that frankly came in and we were like, well, what are we going to get from him? I mean, you look at his, at his first chapter of his career in San Francisco slash Santa Clara, whatever you they've decided they're calling themselves these days, but you look at that chapter, and, and a chapter that didn't really you know, kind of rise to potential, but now Solomon comes to Las Vegas, he puts on that silver and black, and he frankly looks like a player reborn fits. He looks like the guy that we all expected we would see a couple years ago. And you throw in the fact that he's an incredible story, the fact that he's doing so many incredibly important things off the field, and he's playing an incredible brand, excuse me, an incredible brand of football on the field, and Solomon Thomas is my guy. But, like you said, no shortage of candidates. Yeah, I, I mean, I keep looking at it, and I know this is going to be cliche. A lot of you guys are going to chime in at this one. But, I mean, I, I, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. Denzel Perryman is not somebody that anybody thought was going to be the dramatic contributor. Remember when we were sitting at the end of training camp and everybody was talking about who they thought our starting linebackers would be? And then all of a sudden in the last week before the season starts, you see free agent acquisitions, you see guys coming in and it's like, okay, that was a statement on how Mike Mayock wanted to rebuild this roster right before the season. And they took some big swings and those swings have turned into home runs. I mean, I, I, I keep looking squarely at Perryman and saying, my God, like 
you're talking about somebody that is in the right position, makes the right plays. Yeah, he's given up some completions, but that's part of this defense. And when he gives them up, he doesn't miss a lot of tackles. Like he's he's pushing guys to where his help is. He's making the right reads. He's doing everything the right way. I don't know if it's the offensive line helping the linebackers or if these linebackers are just excelling. But Perryman is somebody that I gave no thought to coming into the season. And now every single week when you see him play, it's just like you just raise up and say, that's my guy making those tackles. You know, Fitz, and the, Fitz, the easy answer to this question is, well, none of us really know what's going on. But how, how can we have guys like that? Like you said, you didn't give much thought to the Perryman signing. And I don't think that you're alone in that thought process. But now we fast forward seven, eight weeks, whatever it is now. And you can't, it's hard to envision a Raiders defense this year that doesn't have Denzel Perryman in the middle. Like, how do we miss on guys like this? Guys that just show up, you know, put the pads on and go to work. Like, how do, what's, what's the disconnect there? I think the disconnect is not understanding the the, the kinetic chain of defense. And so, like, let me be a geek for a second and sort of nerd out here. Because when Corey Littleton last year was having some struggles on the defensive side of the ball, I went to everybody that watches film. I went to guys that I know that know the league. And I kept asking everybody, what's the difference? Why was Corey Littleton one player for the Rams and a different player for the Raiders? And I got the same two answers from everybody. Answer number one, system matters. We know that this year. We're learning that. Answer number two, life's easier as a linebacker with Aaron Donald in front of you. And I think there's some truth to that. What we have to acknowledge is that the Raiders have one incredible strength on this defense. There's one undeniable top of the league, oh my God, thing about this defense. And it's that they murder quarterbacks. Like they are getting after the quarterback at rates we've never seen. So, as you and I have talked about on the fifth quarter repeatedly, when you've got two defensive ends that need all of the attention in the world, it makes the matchup easier for the defensive tackles, which is why I think we've seen more pass rushing pressure there. But also, when all of this attention is going to just that front four, now your linebackers are running free. Now you're letting guys be athletes. And Jonathan Vilma was on the call for the game last week. I talked to Vilma a little bit afterwards, and one thing he talked about repeatedly is, Weight loss. I mean, Perryman came in, shed some weight, said, I want to be faster. And now he's in a defense where nobody's putting hands on him. He can just be an athlete and it is working. So I think it's the chain that sort of allows some of these guys to be successful. I mean, Perryman, you know, physically looks fantastic as well. But I was kind of thinking as you were going through your uh, your litany there, litany of things that, that is kind of working for Denzel Perryman too, where it's so interesting to me, Fitz, that you look at the game books, right, for every game that Denzel Perryman has played since he put on that silver and black, and he is the leading tackler or the second leading tackler, tackler week after week after week after week. And that kind of consistency from that middle linebacker position is something that we haven't seen in a while. And frankly, the fact that we get that now week after week after week is an incredible breath of fresh air. And you can see, literally, you can tangibly see on the football field how valuable it is to have him out there. And the fact that, like you said, that this team, that the Raiders have these edge rushers and Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby and you got Solomon Thomas and Quinn Jefferson, all these guys that can get after the quarterback, it really allows that linebacking core to go out and do what they do best. And we talked about uh, excuse me, we talked about Corey Littleton a second ago, and he's had a much improved 2021, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that that we'll get into, but man, I mean, you talk about that that linebacking core in totality, and it has been a very, very nice, uh, a nice pleasant surprise, I would say, for this year. You know, Eddie, the other thing, too, when you talk about the linebackers and the leading tackling, tackling has become such a strength for this defense, which is... Yeah, how crazy is that? To, um, I mean, it, it's crazy, and then on top of that, it needed to be, particularly at the linebacker position, because hear me out, the way that we rush the passer 
it's done with a level of uh, intentional but reckless abandon, right? Like some edge rushers, and, and Ngakwe and, and Max both have had questions coming into this season about their ability to stop the run. Well, I don't really think they're being asked to do that. For the most part, it's you worry about this thing. Hold the edge a little bit, but get after the passer. And we're going to trust that while you're doing that, the second layer of defense is going to be in the right spot to make the right plays. And and even if we want to go all the way into the secondary and you talk about Hobbs and, and Marrying and, and everybody back there, that Casey Hayward, everybody tackles really well. So it lets you do the job that's in front of you with a little bit more confidence because you know that, all right, if I'm rushing the passer, no, don't worry, linebacker's got my back. And if I'm the linebackers and I'm coming up to make the play, don't worry. Somebody's always behind me to make that. Like the, the lack of big plays that have been given up, I think is astounding. And one guy that we didn't even bring up for a second there, Fitz, is John Abram. And we've seen a more in-control Jonathan Abram. We have not seen the feast or famine Jonathan Abram of 2020. And look, just the way that he is, the way he's wired as a football player, there's going to be some misses, right? But that's you. That's what, almost what you love about him, right, is that he's going to give you 145% all the time. He's a 100-mile-an-hour kind of guy. And the fact that he's been able to kind of dial it back to, hey, it's okay to go 85 on the highway once in a while, has been a huge benefit to this defense. And to your point, Fitz, when you can trust that the guys on the back end, when you can trust John Abram, you can trust Trayvon Mary, you, even Dallin Levitt, we saw him the other night with some good tackles. Like the, when you can trust those guys behind you, to your point, it allows the defense to play free. It allows Max and Unique to say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about any of that. I'm going to go get the quarterback. I'm going to do what I get paid a lot of money to do. And I know that my boys behind me are going to make sure everything is all right. And that's not something we saw a year ago. And you look back to 2020, Fitz, and how many of those, it, it seemed like it should have been like a four-yard reception that goes 72 yards. It should have been a three-yard run that now goes 35 yards. And we have not had a lot of those moments in 2021. And that's a credit to Gus Bradley. It's a, excuse me, it's a credit to the position coaches. And really, it's a credit to the players to buying in and understanding like, hey, it might not be the sexiest thing sometimes, but there's nothing wrong with being really, really strong in the fundamentals. It's the fifth quarter takeover of JT the Brick on 920 at Raider Radio. And I keep thinking about what you were just talking about with guys just breaking free. How often are we used to seeing defensive players looking at each other and shrugging their shoulders? Like there's a body language of, I thought you had him, right? We haven't seen that much this year. And it speaks to communication. You mentioned Jonathan Abram. I went back and watched the All-22 on the game. And what I thought was really interesting is how often you saw Abram before the snap. Coming up, he's cheating into the box. He's in that front seven territory, and he's throwing his arms up, giving out signals. Like, he's telling everybody what's coming. I mean, there's a level of calm leadership to what he's doing right now for the secondary that I think is a little bit undervalued. Like, for somebody that we had huge expectations for because of his highlight hit stick reel, like, let me go Madden on you, but uh, he's been so in control, not just of his physical play on the field, but also of calling out what's happening for everybody. I mean, this is a much more confident version and simplicity, something we'll talk about a lot of in the next few days, seems to really be a, a huge factor for him right now. You know, we we uh, shot a feature with John Abram last week that'll come out in, in a little bit here, but I was Ooh. talking to him. I know, look at that, a little tease. But I was talking to John about this, and I go, what's the biggest difference between the 2021 Jonathan Abram and the Jonathan Abram from a year ago? And he was like, honestly, man, like there's, there's really nothing about me that's different. I'm just kind of learning how to be a pro. Like, I'm learning the things that I can do. I'm learning the things that I can't do. He goes, 
I'm the same guy. Like, I still attack the game the same way. My preparation, the stuff that I put in pregame, like, that doesn't change. I'm still the same dude there, but I'm just learning and I'm growing. And we talk about that maturation. And it's not just Jonathan Abram, right? It's Max Crosby. It's Hunter Renfro. It's Alec Ingold, who had a really nice game on Sunday. It is that group of guys, that 2019 draft class, where you're all of a sudden you're like, these guys aren't dudes that have been in the league for six months. These are guys that when you're looking at the foundation of your team, when you're looking about the excuse me, looking at the foundation of your organization and what you want to be growing forward, it's a lot of those kind of guys that you need to build on. Yeah, you, that's such a great point when you talk about some of the guys that, you know, we're living in a life of luxury right now. And I think dynamic playmakers is what we've been as a fan base. We've been waiting years for right we've been waiting years for that the guys to step up to get drafted and for a combination of draft better develop better play better right like i think it takes all three we always talk about all three phases of the game on the field well uh, development is simpler or i should say more complicated than just draft a guy and plug him in like you got to find the right guy you got to trust your scouting department then you got to trust your coaches to develop the guy and the guy has to come in and want to be developed the right way there's a lot of things that go into making a successful player on the defensive side of the ball, particularly the level of patience that has been shown to some of these guys developing, I think is really key in this because it'd be easy for some coaching staffs to give up on Abram. They didn't do that. In fact, they drafted another safety to put into a different spot. I think a lot of people twisted that narrative around the draft. I was screaming it on ESPN at the time. Like Trayvon Merring was not drafted to replace Jonathan Abram. He was drafted to augment him, to give them both more opportunity. And that's a real level of, hey, we know what we have. We know how we can get better by adding this one piece here. It, it's intelligent roster development happening in front of our eyes. You know, and I think, excuse me, Fizz, I think the one thing that I, I take away from that, and I wrote it down in big bold letters as you were talking, was patience. Because us as sports fans, and look, I fall into this all the time too, where you draft a guy, whoever it is, number one overall that year, you expect him to be your guy. You expect him to be an all-pro guy six months later right? But the fact that, you know, you have guys like Jonathan Abram, you have guys like Henry Ruggs, who you've had to be patient with, I think just speaks to the, the kind of mindset of this front office. It speaks to the mindset of Mike Mayock and how he wants to start building this thing. Because the thought that I had fits just now, and I'm not going to compare Jonathan Abram to Steph Curry, but the Steph Curry example is a perfect one. I remember when I was at the peak of, well, I'm still at the peak of my Warriors fan, and let's be very honest there. But I remember when we, when the uh, Warriors, we you're, wait, you're a big Warriors fan? Yeah, dog. I didn't think I knew that. Okay, front really? runner, go ahead. Dude, I, I grew up. I grew up uh, like 35 minutes north of Oakland, right? And I that, look, quick aside. I tell people all the time because you tell people these days, "Oh, I'm a Warriors fan." Oh, of course you're a Warriors fan. They're great. I was a Warriors fan when they were terrible. I remember going to games with my dad when they were like losing by 52 points to the then Memphis Grizzlies. Like this is a team. This was the like I thought you talked about your first heartbreak. The Warriors broke my heart from the age of like seven to 22 every single year, but. The point is this. When they drafted Steph Curry, I was beside myself. I was like, this is not, this is not the play, guys. I was like 17. <laughs> I was like, this is, listen, guys, I've watched, a lot of, I've watched a lot of basketball over the past six months. This is not the move. And you look over those first couple years, and you could make an argument that perhaps that wasn't the move. But all of a sudden, Steph Curry becomes Steph Curry. And look, I'm not suggesting that Jonathan Abrams is going to become the second coming of, of whatever Hall of Fame safety you want to kind of you know, drop out there. But the fact that this team has been patient with him, I think that it just takes different guys, different timelines to get to where they need to go. And that's totally okay. But us as sports fans, and as I said, I will raise my hand, Fitz, and I will say I am guilty of this time and time again. We just have unrealistic expectations coming into this thing a lot of the time. 
Yeah, Alex Leatherwood, anybody? I mean, uh, like, we all know what happened. Colton, Colton Miller? Colton Miller, yeah. I, and, you know, by the way, I'll tell you quickly this uh, story nobody asked for, but I'm going to give it anyway. Uh, Raiders, Super Bowl year, right? And you know me, lifelong diehard. Like, diehard. I remember the house I was sitting in when the Raiders lost the AFC Championship game 51-3 to to Buffalo. And I remember sitting there at the half thinking, well, if Buffalo did that to us in the first half, we can do that to them in the second half. My dad tried to explain it wasn't that simple. In fact, years later, I met Thurman Thomas. I just walked up to him. He's a big country music fan. I walked up to Thurman and I was like, I hate you 51 to 3. But uh, all of that to say, years of suffering, Raiders in the Super Bowl. I go to the mall that's like outside of Nashville where I was living at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to get me a new Raiders hat, get new swag for the Super Bowl. Walk in, get my hat, pick one. Guy walks up to me, and he's like, another bandwagon Raiders fan. Oh, it's the worst, dude. I was a much uh, hotter head at that point in my life than I am now. I was dropping F-bombs to a guy in lids that I didn't know (laughs) because he was calling me Fairweather, and I did not take that well. I get it. So I get it. I I apologize for presuming that you were a front-running Warriors fan. Uh, All this to say, by the way, we're asking you guys, for your early season surprise MVP. Don't give me Derek Carr. Give me people I haven't thought about. You can tweet. Uh, tweet. You can text the show RNR69187, Raider Nation Radio, 69187. That's how you can do that. You can also call us 702-365-9200. Damon, you're, you're, you're leaning in like you got something for me. Yeah, we do have a couple of texts that have already come in. This Woo! first text did not leave a name. Solomon Thomas, silent leader. That was actually like me, that. Damon. That was that, that was, was me. You? There was no name there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got another. Casey Hayward. Bunch of young kids in the secondary, highly ranked, and still no touchdowns allowed. Monster. Exclamation points. I love that that call, Eddie, just because yeah. like you start thinking about Casey Hayward, and it, it, this, this is a game you'll find out Eddie and I play a lot over the course of a few days. Uh, if I had told you, like, it's one of my favorite games to play, if I had told you that Trayvon Mullen would miss substantial time in the early portion of the season and that we'd be talking about uh, a corner that's making contributions that none of us had even heard of two weeks ago, none of us would think we'd be sitting at 5-2. and two. Casey Hayward has to get a lot of credit for that because I find myself actually forgetting he's playing when he's on the field because you know that he's just his number's not going to be called. And that's, that's powerful for somebody that was on the street late into the summer because he knew his worth. I mean, candidly, that's the best compliment you can give a DB, right? It's like, hey, we didn't, we didn't see it all today. We didn't, we didn't mention your name. We didn't have to call your number. You just locked a half of the football field down. But yeah, I mean, Casey Hayward has had a spectacular start to 2021. And you talked about not giving the, the Perryman signing kind of much, uh, you know, much, much love or much notice at the time. And I'll be honest, where the Casey Hayward thing to me is like, I looked at it at the time. I was like, all right, you know, an, an older, an older cornerback, you know, some, that's some good veteran depth. Like, I did not think that he was going to play as much as we did now. Obviously, we did not think that Trayvon was going to be hurt and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, seriously, for a guy to come in, like you said, off the street, a guy to not have a, a you know, a full kind of lead into this thing and to be playing as good as he is, silent leader, like the, like the caller said or the texter said, silent leader, a dude who has just shown up to, and gone to work. And the fact that he, and he, was, and he uh, resulted in points too, right? He, we uh, credit him for that safety, do we not? Yeah, think about this too. We were talking about patience earlier. I, as I hadn't thought about it until you were just talking. But when you think about the way this roster was constructed, the coaching staff, the front office, they gave young guys every opportunity through the entirety of the summer. And it's almost like when you know that you've got a bat phone and you've got a guy that you can call that you can get to come in, there's a level of confidence in like, hey, I'm going to give some of these young guys every opportunity to get the reps in camp that they need, every opportunity to get to, to win the job. They did that. 
And then they went at the last second and they said, okay, we've tried. Now we're going to try something different. And it worked. I mean, and much like Miami got a lot of credit before last season, they spent a ton of money in the secondary. That rarely works out. It did. Last year, Miami's defense gelled incredibly quickly. I think we've got to look at this and say, holy cow, I can't believe it's working. You guys can chime in 702-365-9200. Well, you get in with uh, your unexpected MVP. We want a little bit of chaos. We want a little bit. Give us the surprise answers. Again, you can also text the Raider Nation radio line, RNR69187. In the meantime, we've got more to break down, including one person that I think isn't getting enough credit for all of the good that we're seeing right now and what it could mean for the future of the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll tell you about it next. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're sitting in for JT The Brick on Raider Nation Radio. The monologue was brought to you by PTs with over 65 locations in the Valley. We're back to the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT, here's ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. Oh, it never gets old. It's the delight of the day. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out with Eddie Pascal. I'm you here too. Check us I'm here. I mean... I mean, Eddie, do you want me to try like, I can't do it. You know, I can't do it in a way that sounds cool. I want to do it in a way that sounds, do you have like a voice of God voice that you can do? Oh, I don't have, I don't have a voice of God voice. No, I wish I did. I mean, listen, we, we outsource all of our voice of God work here. You know, like we, we, you like, you gotta, you gotta know what you got and what you don't got. I don't got a voice of God voice. So we're going to pay someone to deliver those ins and outs for us. Yeah, I, I, I will never forget the first time I was in on ESPN radio and the ESPN radio voice of God guy actually said my name. I was like a little stunned. I didn't know what to do with that. You know, Eddie, it, it's a, that's big time. We'll get but, you on the voice of God. But you, but uh, you have one of those, you have one of those great names before we keep going where it's three syllables. So it's Jason Fitz. You know what I mean? Okay. Like Eddie Pascal doesn't, it doesn't kind of roll as, as nicely as the three syllable does. Yeah, I, well, it depends. Like, if we went WWE style with it, I think it could be pretty, you know, like, because you've got the draw it out name. And yeah. by the way, uh, just a quick aside for everybody that ever steals my last name. Like, my last name is only Fitz. Fitz, that's it. There's no Fitzgerald, not Fitzpatrick, not Fitzsimmons. Everybody else, like, why? All right, if your last name's Fitzpatrick, why not go, like, Fitz P or, or Patty or something? Like, why, why is it always stealing my last name? Everybody goes by the nickname Fitz. What am I going to nickname it to fight? Like, I, there's no there's no win for me. I, I just want people to stay off my last name, Eddie. It, it is uh, funny you say that because I, I always thought your name was like Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick or something, and no. it's simply not. Simply not. It's just it's just Fitz. Uh, you guys can hang out with the 702-365-9200. Also, you can uh, tweet. I'm going to keep saying that all day because I'm not used to text. You can text Raider Nation Radio at RNR69187. We're asking you to chime in with your unexpected MVP. A little off the radar one through this 5-2 and two season. We've got some of you guys on hold. We'll let you get in on the show. Don, thanks for calling Raider Nation Radio. What do you got, man? What's good? Uh, I got one for y'all. He's a rookie. Plays defense by the name of Nate Hobbs. Ooh, I, don't believe, I don't believe that they would be able to do things that they're doing on defense. I, I've always said that Jonathan Abram is uh is the glue that makes this defense go. But I honestly believe that without Nate Hobbs they can't they can't sit in the nickel like they like they do. They use they they basically use that as a as as their main package and he he's able to cover and come up and tackle. So, you know, I as of right now I would say just as the hot take, just as the you know, put it out there, I would think the rookie I would say the rookie just for a surprise MVP. I would say the rookie. No, I Don, I love that call. I don't like, think and, that's and, that hard of a take. Is it Fitz? No, I don't think it's a hard take. I think it's a great take. And and 
you know, I'll be the first to admit too. Like I, I didn't see this coming. I cover a lot of college football for ESPN. So I watch so much of it. It's a little alarming at times. And when Nate Hobbs was drafted, I thought that's solid. I didn't think, Oh my God, that's solid. Like there's a big difference. And I, the tackling is a part of it that you just, you never see him come up and whiff. Like once he's in the frame of the shot, you know, he's going to take his shot and get it. Like he's just solid in every possible way for somebody that didn't have the size. I think that, that I, I expected to be as good as he is. Eddie, I think he's spectacular, and, and that's not a hot take at all. No, I mean, and he's been what a find from Mike Mayock and his group as well. And, and you talk about Nate, and, and the one thing that is going to come is going to be top of mind, and it should be, is that tackling ability. If you're a DB in the NFL in 2021, you have got to be able to tackle. It is non-negotiable, especially if you're playing on the inside like he is. But I think another thing that we don't give Nate enough credit for is the fact that he has moved around. He's had to play outside at times. He's Like we talked about, he's been primarily in the nickel. But he's a dude, a rookie, who has shown like, hey, in a pinch, you can stick me outside, and it is not going to be the end of the world. Now, is that probably where he is at his best? Uh, I don't think so. But the fact that he can go there in an emergency situation is incredibly valuable because a wise man told me once, Fitz, the more you can do, the better. And speaking of Nate Haas, I'm glad that, I'm glad that our man Dom brought him up because we were actually having this debate in the studio yesterday. And debate might be the wrong word, but we were discussing what does Nate Hobbs have to do and keeping, you know, keeping in mind living in the world of we are seven games into this. We have not even really hit the halfway point. But what does he have to do to really put himself in that conversation for defensive rookie of the year? Uh, get a bunch of picks. Picks come in, in, yep. in you know, bunches. And realistically, so many people are watching. And I, I don't just mean fans. I mean experts. I think so many people now are consuming Sunday football by way of the Red Zone channel. Uh, you need something that's going to make the highlight reel. You need something that's going to make somebody say, man, I want to go back and rewatch that game. And and I think picks do that, like big interceptions at big times. And let's also, though, be real about it. One thing we always talk about in college football is how much runway is left in front of you. Hobbs has a bunch of runway because not only are there a lot of games left, there's games left against marquee quarterbacks, right? And so the opportunity to go in and compete with the Chargers again, the opportunity to compete with Mahomes, like th those are opportunities to get picks that are going to be noticed. And so when you're taking on quality quarterbacks, they're going to take on Cincinnati on November 21st, right? All eyes are going to be on Joe Burrow and what the two big offenses can do. Turnovers come in bunches. If Hobbs is on the right side of getting some of those, then I think it becomes a bigger conversation. You know, and the thing is, too, Fitz, where you look at Nate's first seven games, and, and I think, you know, it, it's hard to, to kind of quantify this. It's hard to put this in stats and numbers and things like that. But for lack of a better term, he has just looked like he belongs. Like, he has very much not looked like a, like a rookie who is, like we talked about, nine months out of playing college football. Like, he looks like a dude who should be in the NFL. He looks like a dude who is getting better week after week after week. He looks like a guy who belongs and who needs to be there and has very much played himself into a very big role in this defense. And, and like we said, man, the, the runway in front of him is a long one. I'm excited to see what he does when we get back from the bye. But he has been as solid as solid can be. And what a contributor and, and what a weapon for Gus Bradley to have at his disposal. All right, so let's get another call in here. Raider Richie giving us his unexpected MVP so far this season. Raider Richie, what do you got, man? Uh, for MVP, I got um, the... Um... Mad Max. I mean, he's mm. he's a he's a beast uh, and, and extremely underrated. No ego, just gives it a hundred percent every play. And like basketball, if you can give a six man uh, of the year award, I want to give that to uh, Carl Nassib. I think he's made some plays that 
I believe uh, in the earlier games that that changed the momentum of the of the game of the game as far as defensively. Um, just those two guys, I think this deserve a, a shout out. But yeah, MVP for sure is Matt Max because he leads the defense there with 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 just tenacity and 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 voraciousness. And then uh, also want to uh, throw a little smack there to you because I'm a big Suns fan, so. <laughs> Can't wait till the Suns meet the Golden State Warriors and see how that turns out. Oh, Red, I, oh, Richie, I would love Richie. nothing more, baby. Oh, I would love nothing love more. <laughs> I would love nothing more, man. That would that would warm my heart. You uh, you gonna respond to that smack talk in there, Eddie? You just gonna let that go? You just well, just, no, no, just listen, gonna I'm, I'm gonna say this, man. I'm gonna say this. We're uh, we're what about three games, two games into the season? We got a long <laughs> way to go. We got a long way to go. And I I will be honest. I don't watch a ton of Suns basketball. Uh, but I know the Warriors have not lost yet. I will leave it at that. But oh, wow. going oh, back wow. to this, going back to Mad Max, though, man. I mean, one thing that you've told me really throughout the season, Fitz, is, and, and I've kind of caught myself. Like, I think I will give Fitz a little credit. I think for maturing my the way that I view football, Ooh. because we get so locked in, we get so infatuated, obsessed with these sack numbers. And you have told me since the off season, especially in regards to Max, do not let those numbers kind of dictate and cloud what he's doing. Because you look at a game like Sunday, no sacks, but this is a guy who's incredibly active around the football. And, and the fact that Max has been incredibly active around the football, making life miserable for the opposing quarterback for seven weeks now, I think just speaks to the kind of player he is, the kind of guy that he's going to be. And, and man, I, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm preaching that now, Fitz. It's like the sack numbers are cool. Like that's what people get paid off of. But there's so much more to a player than that. Well, let's see. I'm going to try and smartly pull up a calculator here because let's say that your opponent runs, on average, 60 plays a game. We're just going to go with 60 plays a game. And we're going to go with 17 plays, uh, 17 games a year. That's 1,020 plays over the course of the year. We obsess over whether or not a player can get 10, 12, 14 sacks out of 1,000 plays. That's why quarterback pressures and quarterback hurries, I think, is a much more significant number. By the way, Max at or near the top of the list in every single metric when it comes to that. I also, though, want to give some credit to Nassib. I think that's a really good yes, call 100%. by Raider Richie. And, uh, you know, Mina Kimes uh, is a close friend. And uh, what she she blew me up the other week. She's always great at, at giving me, like, hey, here's who's playing well, here's who not. And, and I love her film study so much. I respect the hell out of it. She sent me a text the other day and said, you've got to keep a better eye on Nassib. He's playing lights out. And when you watch that and when you see that, and by the way, for everybody that thinks that the national media isn't paying attention, the good ones are, and they're seeing it. And Nassib is doing everything that he's asked to do in this defense, not just rushing the passer, but also staying home when he needs to, setting the edge when he needs to, making the right plays and reads when he needs to. He's had a handful of plays throughout the course of this game that had made it incredible because the story around Carl Nassib could easily have been hijacked over the course of the season to be about everything but his play on the field. And it's not because he's playing so stinking well on the field. You have to respect what's happening. I, we're seeing a different version of Nassib this year. And, and for a, a myriad of reasons, I think we all know, I love all of what we're seeing from him. And look, I think that speaks, we talk about the seeing different versions of the guys. We're seeing a different Corey Littleton this year. We're seeing a different yeah. Carl Nassib this year. I think we talked about him uh, the last segment. I think we're seeing a different, more mature, more grown-up Jonathan Abram as well. And I think you look at the common denominator between those three guys and really this defense as a whole, Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley deserves so much credit for coming in here, for riding this ship. Because look, you and I talked about this a ton, Fitz. The defense that we saw a year ago from your Las Vegas Raiders was to put it nicely, uh, 
not very good. And we had a lot of questions <laughs> coming into this year about said defense. And I don't want to say that all of those questions have been answered. Certainly that we still have a few things that we want to figure out between now and January. But my goodness, you talk about just surprises in general. The, the fact that this defense is playing so well, that they have been so consistent in that play, to me has been a fantastic surprise in 2021. Well, and doesn't it also speak to the concept that coaching matters? Like, yeah. the more oh, yeah. guys that I talk to that play, they always tell you system matters, coaching matters, and we think it's all on the players. I, I think we're really undervaluing how much of this comes down to, I always use food TV analogies, but like, chopped. I want the best coaches to be like they are on chopped. You open up the basket and you say, here's my, my basket of ingredients. Now, I'm going to cook with these ingredients and I'm going to make something award-worthy. And that's what you want great coaches to do. I think... Over the last few years, what we've had are some chefs involved in the coaching process that have believed so much in the dishes they make, they don't care what the ingredients are. What we're seeing from Gus Bradley right now is, I'm going to look at these ingredients, I'm going to make them thrive. And that's just such a different mindset. But I also want to throw credit to somebody else, and this is what I alluded to before the break. I'm just going to give you a quick list, just off the top of my head. Hobbs, uh, Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, uh, Maring, Mad Max, Ruggs, Edwards, Hunter, I've just listed eight guys off the top of my head that are all young players, that are all recent additions to this team, that are all excelling in an incredible way. Like part of what we're seeing this year isn't just the Raiders win games. It's seeing growth of the youth for the Raiders in a way that's really inspiring for where this organization is going. Because there's, there's always two, uh, two sort of moments here. Uh, and Rex Ryan says it all the time. Mike Tannenbaum says it all the time. When you run an organization, you got to worry about winning today and building for the future. What I'm seeing is that the Raiders are winning today by utilizing the building blocks for the future. That's a statement to the coaching, but that's also a statement to Mike Mayock and who's coming. It's fair to look at some of the misses in the draft. It's fair to look at some of the misses from free agency. But if we're going to do that, let's also look at some of the hits this year because it's those hits that I think are really catapulting this team. No, and I'd agree with you 100%. And I think to even take that a step further, where you look at, at all the hits that Mike has had in the past six months, right? You talked about all those guys. You talked about the free agent additions. We talked about Denzel Perryman, Brandon Faison. We talked about all these guys that have come in that have arrived in silver and black and really been contributors from day one. And yes, that's incredibly important. This team is going to be judged rightfully so on what they do on the football field on Sunday. That is what they're judged on. But to take it a step further with Mike, the fact that Mike was able to come out after everything that happened a couple weeks ago and unquestionably set the tone for what was going to be the rest of this Raiders season, I think is, is really hard to, to kind of skip over and, and to not acknowledge in a big way too. Because make no mistake about it, Fitz, we were living in a moment. Well, us as Raiders fans, us here in this building, we were living in a collective moment. And Mike Mayock came out in a really, really uh, difficult moment and struck the perfect tone, said, this is what we're going to be about. We are moving forward. This is how we are going to move forward. And everything that has happened since he delivered that first press conference, you could not have asked for anything better. But none of that happens, Fitz, unless the general manager comes out, says his piece, and says it in an effective, uh, transparent way. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. Especially a general manager that, frankly, the national narrative was he's one foot out the door from the minute Gruden was gone, right? And so... I think what you have to look at is leadership. And, you know, you and I talked about it on the fifth quarter, and I've always tried to be honest with everybody. I consider myself a reasonable fan, but this is still my profession, right? So I try and wear both hats when we talk about my favorite team, right? And, you know, the, the entire last three weeks, we're going to go one of two ways. 
we were going to find out that there's great leadership in the building and great leadership in the team within the locker room or this whole thing was going to fall apart. It was going to turn into everybody fighting for themselves or everybody fighting for each other. I think we've gotten the answer to that. And I told you after the big win against Denver, I said, let's see how they play against an Eagles team that would be easy to overlook going into the bye. They played one of the best games we've seen them play. They played a game so well that the other team had to result to, 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 to go to desperate, like, trickery to try and beat a team. Like, you do that when you know you're outmanned. And that is a statement to the way this team has come together. It, it's, to me, it's absolutely the, the leadership that we've seen is a huge part of it, Eddie. No, and you're a thousand percent right, right, Fitz, where you do kind of have that fork in the road of how is this next 11, 12 weeks going to go? And I think it's really easy. It would have been really easy for this team to say, you know what, we've gone through a lot. It's been a, an incredible 18 months. Like we've, There's a lot of stuff that's happening. We're just going to kind of keep our heads down. We're going to do our thing, and we're going to kind of see what happens. But that is not the case. This team rose up to the moment. They said, hey, yes, everything that happened happened, but we have every we heard that phrase over and over again. We have everything in front of us. And that is exactly what they have shown these past two weeks. And we were talking about this uh, the other night, Fitz, where I can't remember the last time that this team played back-to-back games where it was effectively over in the third quarter. And I know that the final scores of these past two games might tell a little bit of a different story, but don't get it twisted. Halfway through the court, the third quarter of the Broncos game, and halfway through the third quarter of the Eagles game, this game was over, O-V-E-R, over. And it has been a long time since fans of this team have been able to enjoy a relatively calm fourth quarter. Well, and that's why we're celebrating all of the unexpected MVPs. You guys can call in 702-365-9200. You can also text us, RNR69187. That's the way you get in on the conversation. Who's your unexpected MVP to this point? Plus, everybody keeps asking, why is it going to be different this year than it has been the last couple of years? Next up, I'll answer that question. We'll tell you why it's going to be different this year in my mind. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT The Brick. Brick on Raider Nation Radio. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town and an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. This is the JT The Brick Show. With JT out, here's Jason Fitz. And Eddie Pascal. <laughs> Damon. Oh, Damon with the big move there. That, did that feel good? Like, can we let Damon start doing, like, all the voice of God stuff? And, like, hey, man, coming uh, in with that? that's all I ask for. A little respect. Put a little, put a little respect on my name. Not too much, but just a little bit. It is the fifth quarter takeover. That's what I'm calling it uh, for the next yeah. couple of days uh, of JT the Brick. You guys can hang in, hang out. 702-365-9200 is the way you get in on the phones. You can also text us RNR69187. We want to know who your unexpected MVP is. And I think, Eddie, we've got a couple. We've got some callers. Should we take one here? Yes, I believe we should. I feel like we must. Oh. All right. Who who do we want to do? I can't find. You guys are smarter oh. than me. I can't figure oh, out how to see who's on the Sorry, we go ahead, Passionate Raider on the line. Passionate Raider, what's up, brother? How are you? What's up? Man, what's happening, guys? You guys having fun today, I hear. Oh, too Always much fun. having fun. Come on, man. We're 5-2. and two. Hey. Let's go. That's right. That's right. Hey, man, I'm going to call. I'm going to call. I, I've been thinking about this since you guys said it, man, and I got like three guys on my mind that is just like hard to split between. I'm going to go Nate Hobbs, the rookie. I'm going to go the other quarterback we got. What Howard? What's his last name? What's um thirty nine? Uh, thirty. Uh, Casey Howard. Hayward. Casey Hayward. Hayward. Casey yeah. Howard. Hayward. I'm going to go Hayward Hobbs. Hayward Hobbs and Jonathan Abrams, man. Jonathan Abrams, dude. I was all over that guy last year. I hated his attitude. I hated the way he was playing. And this guy has come out this year 
and I mean, it is a night and day difference from what he's doing on the field this year from last year. The guy's everywhere. He's hitting everything. He's knocking people dizzy, and he's getting right up and walking back to the next play. I mean, what, what more can you ask for from an assassin like that, man? And, and if we could give a fourth one, we got to give it to Rich, man. The, the, he's been there for the past, what, two or three years? Has he been there all four with John or just three? No, he's, he, he, came in with, uh, he came in with Gruden. Yeah, came in there. Man, so, 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 so man, he's, them players love that guy, and they are playing for this guy better than we've seen them play. And, and, and the four, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 before this stuff come out with Gruden, I, I was already, man, I was done with him, man. He was too predictable. He was too prideful. He was too stubborn. It was always his way. And you could tell the vibe, the vibe wasn't there, man. Man, I better ready. You guys know I call in all the time, man. I, I'm, I'm in Illinois, man. I'm 41 years old. All I know is the Oakland Raiders when it comes to football, man. I've been hurt, beat down, let down, last at. Lost to the Bears two weeks ago. I lived an hour. All I had to hear was no one calls your phone until the Bears and the Raiders. And everyone wants to text your phone and say something. I mean, that, that game right there was, I mean, that, I, I was ready to be done for the Thailand. Well, and, and look, but I, I appreciate, A, thanks for the call. B, I know your pain. I mean, come on, my, my usual radio show is Spain and Fitz where I'm with Sarah Spain. Chicago resident and Chicago Bears fan extraordinaire. I mean, uh, we were at the game, and, and Sarah did not lose any opportunity to trash talk me. Interestingly, the Bears have two wins this year that I can't figure out, the Raiders and the Bengals. So two teams in the top of the AFC both got beat by the Bears. I can't figure it out. I do also like your MVP call. The only thing I would do is I would reorder their names because it feels like more of a law firm, like Abram, Hobbs, and Hayward feels like it's a good so, It's law. so funny where he, he was rattling off his guys, and I'm writing them down, and I go, Hayward, Hobbs, and Abram, I'm pretty sure I have them on retainer for some of my like my finance <laughs> stuff. Like, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I got to call like you know Bill Hayward and uh, – you know, and Stephen Hobbs, and be like, "Hey, fellas, how are we looking on the uh, on the tax stuff this year?" I, I, the funny thing is, though, and, and I love what you said about Jonathan Abram because here's the thing: passionate fans can have passionate opinions. All I ever ask from us when we have passionate opinions is that we be willing to look at the current body of work, right? So, if you're currently super anti or pro any player for what they've done on the field, just watch who they really are today and be willing to reassess. And you know, obviously. The passion is part of what makes Raiders fans, I think, the best in the NFL. But, Eddie, I, I look at that and say that passion needs to be controlled in a way where you can look at it and say, okay, you know, Abram might not have been your favorite player last year or the year before for a myriad of reasons. But be willing to look at him this year and say, I love the way this guy's playing today. I have changed my mind. I think that's important for fans. And look, Fitz, I come at this from a place, and it's not very hot takey. It's not going to, oh, man, look, you're so crazy. But I come from a place of, of living in, in, in a world of what's so. Right. So do we live in a, in a world of this is reality and this isn't reality? And you look at a guy like Abram. Did Abram leave a lot of the meat on the bone last year? Absolutely. Are there plays from 2020 that he would like to have back? Absolutely. Was it frustrating at times to see him kind of make these um, these mistakes over and over again? A thousand percent. But to your point, has he done that this year? No. He has not. He is playing probably his best version of football since he arrived in silver and black, and he is to be commended for that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think that we talked about it a second ago, Fitz. He's also growing up. He is maturing. He's maturing off the field. He's maturing on the field. So it, it's look, it's not fair for any of us to be uh, to be you know kind of cast and, and drawn as a certain type of guy. 
as a player in, in particular. But the fact that we have seen a, an improved John Abram, the fact that he is doing his thing, that he is setting the tone on the back end of this Raiders defense right now, he deserves all the credit in the world. And yes, he got a lot of flack last year, and you know a lot of it was for good reason. But John Abram in 2021 is a key member of this Raiders defense, and he should be treated as such. Yeah, because coaching matters. Uh, 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 I'm just saying, system matters, y'all. Damon, you've got some text coming in. What do you got there for us? All right, I think this is the first time we've heard his name today. Hunter Renfro never goes down on the first hit. Reliable and consistent. Breaks up fake punt. Never hear him complain. True team player. Yeah, Hunter Renfro is at or near the top of the list when you start thinking about guys that are not only great right now, but are about to get that bag. I love it when guys get paid and, and Look, for any Raiders fan that's sitting there suddenly saying, oh, my God, how are we going to pay all these guys? Early, let's have that discussion when it's time to have that discussion because I remember when we were having that discussion around a core that included Carr and, and uh, you know, Amari and Khalil and all of these things. Like, teams figure that out. When you talk about building b- blocks, when you talk about foundational pieces that you can look at at your offense for a very long time, Hunter Renfro is absolutely one of those. He is as capable of being a Julian Edelman type player as he is being, you know, whatever they need from him, wherever he lines up. Eddie, I can't say enough. I'm not sure he's a surprise MVP, but I am sure that he is one of the absolute great players on this football team. The one thing that that gets me about, about Hunter Fitz is this dude is legit fearless. Like every time I see him go out on the football up football field, I'm like, oh my God, like I hope he doesn't I hope he doesn't get hurt. Oh, we got a dog fence? Who's home today? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Annabelle decided she was in and she's out. So she, What's up, she's Annabelle? Parked and she's left. She's in and she's out. But, you know, I, I talk about, you talk about Hunter Renfro. And like I said, the one thing that comes to mind is just how fearless he is. There is nothing on the football field that I feel ever makes him blink. And I'm trying to think, Mr. Uh, Mr. National Media, who else do you see across the NFL that is, just seems to be cool as the other side of the football, or excuse me, cool as the other side of the pillow, unflappable, yeah. a dude who just. You know, and look, the thing that we always, you know, we, we don't dance around at all, but Hunter Renfro is like five foot nine on a good day, right? Like, I am not bigger, legitimately bigger than a lot of NFL players, and I am legitimately bigger than Hunter Renfro. So I, I just, I don't understand how he does it. I don't understand the type of curves that he has. Like, there's got to be someone else out there that we, compare, we can compare him to in that regard, right? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, and, and realistically, I would say Michael Thomas over the last few years for the Saints has been that, like, willing to do whatever, although he's sure. not in this year. Robert Woods comes to mind as maybe that sort of guy that, you know, is unflappable, Godwin, um, I, but but it's different. It's different because it does feel, I use the Edelman com- conversation because they do, they run routes similarly. They look a little similar when they're running, you know. I think the one thing that really hits me about uh, Renfro is that, no matter what he's being asked to do, he does it really well. And that's the thing, like, wherever he's lined up, the only problem he's always going to have is that by nature of this offense, his routes take a long time to develop. So I feel like we see better from him when he's given the opportunity to let those routes develop. But that's got to happen. And, you know, so it, it's it's uncoverable if there's enough time. And that's what we've seen in the games where – Third and Renfro, it takes for granted the fact that it's going to take a second for that play to develop. But once it does, it's unstoppable. You know what's funny, Fitz, is I just kind of had this thought as you were talking. He's one of those rare guys that he becomes, everything he does looks even more impressive when you put it in slow motion, right? Amari Cooper Cooper was very much the same way. Where I remember looking at some of Coop's highlights his first and second year here, you're like, okay, I knew that was like really cool when I watched it live, but you slow that down and you see just, how many details, how specific, how with purpose 
every movement it is the movement of the hands the movement of the feet it, it's incredible to watch and hunter is very much that guy where you look at, at this dude go out there and catch balls and you're like yeah great fan you know fantastic seven for 82 lock it in every week but you really slow it down and you see just how precise what a clinician he is out there man and, it, and it's so much fun to watch yeah, Michael Jr. always says, find somebody that loves you the way Tyler Lockett uh, absolutely is in love with Russell Wilson. I think we see a lot of that with Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr together. In the meantime, we got so caught up with you guys hanging out, which we absolutely love. I didn't even get to tell you why next year, this year, isn't going to be anything like last year was. We'll do that next. Plus, more of your calls, 702-365-9200. That's how you get in, RNR69187, to text us who your unexpected MVP is. And I'll tell you. Why there's reason for hope this year, no matter what happened last year, we'll do it next. Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, filling in for JT The Brick. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore on Boulder Highway in Henderson. This is the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Filling in for JT this week, it's Las Vegas native and member of Raider Nation, Jason Fitz. And Raiders.com, Eddie's P- Eddie Pascal. <laughs> Damon was trying so hard. You want to try that again one more time? Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. There it is. Hey, and shout out to Damon for getting Pascal, not Pascal. I don't know why people mess that up a lot, but Damon, 10 out of 10 pronunciation, my friend. Very well done. Uh, yeah, I think, are you subtweeting me? Because I think I've said it right every time on this show. Thanks, Eddie. You know, it, it, it took me a second, though. Like, I'll admit, the, the world, like, you know, I did some voiceover stuff, and Eddie had to call me and be like, hey, you got it wrong, you know? And yeah. and I get it, because, like, people put an R in my last name. I get Jason Fritz a lot. I, that, that's, Ooh, a, yep. that's a real thing. That's a real thing. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. You can check us out together on the fifth quarter quite often, hanging out post-game. But we're in uh, for the next several days for JT The Brick, hanging out right here. You guys can get in on the conversation, and it's super easy to do it. All you got to do is call 702-365-9200. What we're asking you, who's your unexpected MVP? You can also text us RNR69187, as in Raider Nation Radio 69187. So RNR69187. Tell us who your unexpected MVP is and be nice to DeMond. Like DeMond's doing a lot of different things. So uh, I think we got a call coming in, Eddie. What do we got here? Should we go to Raider X, DeMond? Can we do that? Can we get Raider X on the uh, on the airwaves, por favor? Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's a pleasure speaking to Eddie Pascal. There we go. Give me some round. Give me a round of applause. There it is. That works well. Yes. That works well. How you doing, Raider X? Man, don't forget, and the fits. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. What you got, man? What's the uh, next for calling the show? <laughs> you know what? Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to appreciate you guys. Fire! You're on fire. Woo! Hey guys. Hey guys, so you know my unexpected. I'm going from game one all the way to now, and I'm saying Colton Miller. I mean that in that offensive line has been in flux since the beginning of the season, and who would have thunk the first pick of the Gruden era was Colton Miller? Came out of all the hoopla from us getting the bad the bad coin tosses and getting all that other stuff, and ended up with Colton Miller. Everybody said, "Oh, he's no darn good." Look at him; he held it down. He has protected and allow D.C. to have what he's having today, to have the success. Last, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double back on what you guys were talking about. I believe every great team needs a, needs a Swiss Army knife. And Hunter, third down, second down, touchdown, Renfro, smack him in the, in the mouth on a, on, on a, on a, on a goal for a fake punt. Hey, that's Hunter. Hunter Renfro is it. Is it. I mean, that guy is solid. 
I, I, you know, I'd adopt him. <laughs> I, oh, I think he, I think he uh, I think he legally has parents, but I'm sure he appreciates the sentiment. Thank you, Raider X. And I was just looking up uh, I was looking up Colton Miller's line right now. Colton Miller, who has not missed a single snap in 2021, fits who has gone wire to wire seven times for your 2021 Las Vegas Raiders. A great choice. A guy who very much flies under the radar. A guy who does not uh, does not pound his chest, who doesn't do a ton of media stuff, but just week after week after week goes out there, does his job, and he's a big reason. And look, Raider X is right, man, where this offensive line has had no shortage of questions asked about it over the past seven weeks. But one question we have not had is Colt Miller there on the left side. Yeah, I, I think you've got to look also at how much has been asked around him and, you know, trying to look up the pro football focus grades on him, which are always interesting. But, you know, not a lot of penalties. Overall, it's been a really solid year for somebody that I think could have every opportunity to be a little bit lost. You know, there, there's so much communication going on. And one thing we just take for granted at this point is like for all of the shifting that's happened on the right side of the line, the left side of the line is is at least settled into, hey, this is who we're going to be, right? You know, so I think that that's, it's interesting to see how much, we have dealt with as a as a team with injury to that specific spot, but then to still have this level of offensive line play, I I, I didn't predict that coming through. And we I feel like we've talked about it a bunch today, Fitz. I feel like today is one of those days where you take a shot every time you or I say this, but we talk about that patience, right? Colton Miller, a rough rookie year, and granted he was banged up, he was dealing with injuries through I would say probably about eighty five or ninety percent of that year. But he was a guy that it took him a while to become the best version of himself. And now you look up, and he is your unquestioned leader of that offensive line. He is your unquestioned left tackle of today, tomorrow, and hopefully the next X amount of years. And he is a dude who we talk about doesn't miss snaps, goes out there, does his thing, sets the tone, but it takes a while for some of these guys to develop. So the fact that uh, this organization was patient with Colton, that there was no, oh gosh, we got to freak out, we got to freak out, it hasn't been the case. And now you look and you can reap the benefits of that patience. Well, especially knowing that the organization made the decision this offseason that I think was a controversial one and one that we'll, we'll continue to talk about all year in fairness of taking apart a strength and, and making it at least in perception a weakness with the offensive line. So uh, the offensive line is going to dictate how well this offense can play every single week because, as we talked about earlier, Hunter Renfro's routes take a second to develop, right? So some of these plays need a second, and we've seen the simplification of the playbook. I think we've seen uh, the quick changes that have been made give us a, give me a little bit more hope that the offensive line can gel together, but uh, there, there have been questions, and every week that's what we're going to be looking at right there is like, how does the offensive line look? That's going to be the real statement to me. You know, and for me, Fitz, before we go back to the phone line, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's just like, are we getting better, right? Is this group, whether it's the offensive line, the wide receivers, Derek, Josh, the defense, whoever it is, is X group getting better? Are we seeing a marked improvement from week after week after week? Because, and you and I have discussed this many, many times, Fitz, where like the final version of your team, you don't see that week three, right? You don't see that week seven. You probably don't even see that week 10. Are you getting better week after week after week? And I think over the past couple of weeks, the answer for this Raiders team in general, but a specific, excuse me, specifically that offensive line, it is a resounding yes. No sacks of DC on Sunday against the Eagles, and they are a group that I feel like, you know, we did have a lot of questions. We still have some questions, but the fact that they are improving, that they are gelling, I think bodes well for the rest of 2021. Uh, Damon, we're going to get back to the phone lines real quick. We got Dana in Boca. Can we get Dana on the line, please? Hey, hey guys, how you doing? Good, Great, brother. Dana. How are you? Good, man. I often hear you guys on the inside the huddle and, and on your podcast. I never caught you on a radio show together. It's a, it's an honor. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I was hearing you guys talk about uh, Denzel Perryman. I think that uh, 
you know, um, let me say this. I really geeked out, to use your term there, on on the defense. I looked at all kinds of articles on, on Bradley's defense, the way it looked with the Chargers and with the Jaguars and, and that. And not only did Bradley change a lot, because the way that he used to really focus on stopping the run first and um, did not think that there was going to be a place for Crosby to be a starter on this team. And, boy, was I wrong. Um, but um, – he, you know, Crosby proved everybody wrong and just, you know, has, has elevated himself beyond measure. But um, Denzel Perryman, even last year with the Chargers, was really only a first and sometimes maybe a second down linebacker, and he was being replaced by Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White, these hybrid former safety linebacker types that we thought Muse and Diablo were going to be for us. And then when we got K.J. Wright, you know, he was uh, he's become kind of the first and second down, but... You know, um, Jonathan Vilma was talking about it on the broadcast, how Perryman dropped like 15 pounds and really increased his quickness and speed overall. And he is the true story of what a Raider looks like. The Raiders, I'm 53 years old, and this is the kind of thing I've seen, a guy that looks like he was about done with his career. The, it was not for long in the NFL, right? And now he has just transformed himself into a three down back in this system and leading the league in tackling. And it's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. That's a great call by you, by the way. And and I totally agree with what you're saying too. You know, I grew up in that era, you know, I'm 44. So I grew up in that era of Raiders football that was right on the cusp of, you know, the, the vagabonds and the, the, nobody else wanted them and let's go here and we're going to do something special together. And I think you've got to look at some of that and say, there's a piece of this franchise's history that has always loved that. And you're seeing that from a couple of guys. But when you combine it with the youth movement we talked about earlier, I think that's when things get really special is when you're seeing guys that are coming in realizing, like, for if you're Perryman, you realize that this is your probably your last big chance to go out and make a statement for your career. And you take it this seriously and you put everything into it. Well, that also washes its way down to all of the young guys that are watching it saying, man, I, I want to play with that level of fire and that level of, of, of give a darn. Like, that's... It's just different, and, and I think it's hit different for guys. It's part of what's really brought this this team together, Eddie. Yeah, and shameless plug alert for this before we carry on. Uh, Raiders.com, we just put out a superb mic'd up featuring one and only Denzel Perryman. So I encourage everyone to go on, go on over to Raiders.com, check out our YouTube channel. Our video crew did a fantastic job getting that lined up. And Denzel, incredibly entertaining. But to your point, Fitz, he's a guy that comes in with that energy. He's a guy that when he walks in the room, you look at him and say, you've been in the league for a minute. You know what it takes to win in the NFL. And I think that you get that little bit of that trickle-down effect, like you were saying. But I think even more importantly than that, you look at him, and, and you'll see it in this mic up too, a dude who is incredibly intense, right, who is very about his business. But I think there's a, there's a way that Denzel does it that I think is very unique, where he's about his business a thousand percent, but he does it in a way that's it's with such joy, I think, for a lack of a better term. Like, this is a dude who's enjoying playing football. This is a dude who is having the time of his life in silver and black. And I think it's easy to have a great time when you're leading the league in tackles and everything like that. But I feel like that's kind of his essence, his aura. And the fact that you do have these young guys on this roster, I think having a guy like Denzel with the attitude that he possesses combined with the skill that he brings on a, on a week-to-week basis can only be, you know, be a positive for this Raiders defense and really this Raiders team as a whole. All right, Devon, it looks like you're ready to chime in. You got something for us, buddy? Uh, yeah, we got a few texts. JT the Brick slash fifth quarter takeover. Jason and Eddie, did you hear Rich Eisen, DC MVP 2021? That's from our guy Fabian. And he's an active listener because then he goes on to text back again. Jason and Eddie and Devon, 
I second the the Hunter Renfro that someone else included there. So that's a great Fabian. All right. So Fabian, thanks for listening, number one. And I didn't hear Rich Eisen, although I'll say I've been trying to coin the, t- the phrase MVC. That's my thing. I'm trying to make it a thing at ESPN, most valuable car. Uh, I think MVP is a difficult, uh, it's a difficult award. I, this is what I need everybody to understand about the MVP. Because so often people talk about, well, this guy never even got an MVP vote. The one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that every person only votes for one MVP. Not like a lot of other leagues where you get to put your list of top three or top four in. So the only way you win the MVP is if you're the only person that gets voted by the most people. That's a lot more difficult than like you had a bunch of second place votes. It's not like the Heisman, you know. So I think that's part of what makes it more difficult. Frankly, as great as Carr is, unless the Raiders go on a tear to win the division, I'm not sure he can make up the ground that would need to be made up against some of the other seasons that are having, you know, the, the Kyler Murray sitting here undefeated. Do, do I think that he's doing something Carr's not doing? No, but frankly, Derrick Henry for the Titans, somebody that's doing Hall of Fame level once in a lifetime stuff this year. I, I think Henry has a right to be the MVP. So it, it's going to be really tough to be that. At the end of the day, do I think Carr is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Is he playing like an MVP? Yes. Will he be the MVP? Oh, I think that's tough for any one person to win. And here's the thing, Fitz. I don't think Derek cares one way or not if he wins MVP, Facts. man. Facts. I mean, and and we can we can laugh about that and we can make light about it. But the fact that Derek is the ultimate team guy, I mean, we've heard him heard this from him time and time and time again, where he goes, Look, you know, he's won player of the month, he's won this and that, he's been a pro bowler X amount of times. And he's like, Look, the awards are great. You know, I'm sure my kids will will think that's cool. It'll be nice to reflect on at the end of my career. He goes, I don't care. I want to win football games. I've been here for a long time. I want to win football games. I want to go to the playoffs. I want to leave an imprint on this city, on this organization. And the fact that if that's your franchise quarterback and that's what he's saying, I mean, I think if you're a fan of this team, you just got to be like, yep, that's my dude. I like the way that he's attacking this thing. If we if he wins MVP, fantastic, great. We will be beyond excited, Fitz, right? We'll do 17 shows just dedicated to the incredible 2021 that Derek Carr had. But at the end of the day, doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? No, and, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, too, part of the the, the mindset around Carr that is going to get him some MVP credit is everybody expected the Raiders to fall apart. The more that they don't fall apart, the better they play. The more they continue to look so controlled and focused, the more it will help that conversation. There's one person, by the way, he's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. You guys can chime in, 702-365-9200. Who's your unexpected MVP? Also, you can uh, text us. R-N-R-69-187. That's how you get in on the text line. One person I'm surprised that hasn't gotten more garnered attention in this, even in our conversation of, of the people we've seen improving on the field, Ruggs. Like, I, I, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more love for somebody that has grown into a number one caliber wide receiver this year. Like, for all of the conversation last year, and Eddie and I have talked a lot about just the life adjustment that comes with being drafted and what's it like moving to Vegas, you know, from Alabama, trying to figure out life. You're also trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to live and how you're going to do it. All these things plays into to real life uh, feel on the field uh, play. Also, the not normal practices last year. All the different things that are reasons why I took last year's rookie year for every single team and I crumpled it up and I threw it away. But I'm looking at Henry Ruggs and I'm seeing route tree combinations that are just absolutely different than they were last year. Last year, they let him run like two different routes and that's it. This year, everybody's playing off him because they know he can run those two different routes. And by the way, now he's running all these little outs and he's running all these little ups. And all of a sudden, the more six, eight, ten yard catches that he has, the more people are going to have to respect that portion of the game, which only leaves more openings down the field. Like, 
Ruggs is developing in front of our eyes into exactly what they thought they were going to get when they drafted him. And the one thing that I think is also developing in a big way, Fitz, is the trust, the camaraderie, the rapport between him and Derek Carr. And look, there's a lot of reasons why 2020 was what 2020 was for Henry. But I think it's incredibly evident if you watch this team week after week after week like we do, the way that Derek interacts with him on the field is very different to when, than what it was a year ago. And I think that we are seeing the stats kind of bear, bear that message out. And I'm looking at Henry's line right now. We are seven games into this fit. Seven games. And Henry Ruggs has already eclipsed his, uh, excuse me, his receiving yard total from a year ago. And granted, it was not the, if, candidly, the highest bar to, to kind of leap over. But all the same, he's at 469 yards receiving right now. He had 452 in all of 2020. And he only missed three games. So the fact that we are seeing an explosive Henry Ruggs, the fact that we were seeing the Henry Ruggs we all anticipated seeing a year ago is just fantastic to see. And, you know, you talk about the real life aspect to all of this. Henry Ruggs is a dude who grew up in Alabama, right? I don't care if you're from the biggest, baddest city in Alabama. Alabama is not Las Vegas. He went to school in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yes, Saturdays there are just different. You know that better than I do, Fitz. But Tuscaloosa is not Las Vegas. And the fact that this is a dude who is the farthest away he's ever lived from home, right? And to move and to grow up and to be asked to be a real person, to be a real adult, to be a pro in the middle of COVID, that's tough, man. That's tough. And I, I do not envy any of the rookies that were in his position. And I think what we're seeing now, Fitz, is we're seeing a more comfortable, a more confident, a more in control Henry Ruggs than we did a year ago. Well, I, I've told this story frequently, but uh, I have a buddy that played for the Titans. And in his rookie year, I went out to have a drink with him. And I said, how you doing? Like, how are you adjusting? And he said in Nashville at the time, he said, not well, not well at all. And, you know, I asked him why. And he said, you know, where we went to college, we moved as a unit. Everything we did, we did together. So my teammates and I went to practice and my teammates and I went to lunch and my teammates and I went to class and my teammates and I went to dinner. Like we did everything together. He said it was just such a weird change for him to finish practice and realize that he's now with a bunch of essentially adults that a lot of them are going home to their families or their other businesses or all the other things that they're working on in life. And He's like, you know, I'm going back to my apartment and I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, what do I do with my day and how do I adjust my life? Like, that's such a weird thing to be figuring out. And I just, I'd challenge anybody to put yourself back in the shoes where now you're 20, 21 years old. And all of a sudden you're 21. You just moved to Vegas with a lot of money in the bank. And you're dealing with the adjustment of trying to figure out like what life is like as a pro. Like, I just think there's a real life element for everybody that comes into this team, in this market, in this city. And they're going to have to take a second to adjust. That's why I think year two matters way more than year one does. And what we're seeing in year two of rugs is such a difference. And, and, you know, think about last year, how often Carr, even when he threw deep, a lot of times it was a little off. This year, we're not seeing that. Like those deep balls are connecting because the guys just have a familiarity with each other. So it's like rugs had to get confident and set in life to be confident and set in football on the field. You know, and, and the term that Derek uses all the time, Fitz, is just time on task, right? He goes, whether it's Henry or Brian Edwards or Josh or any of the, any of his weapons on the outside, it's just time on task. And, and you talk about that human element where you and I will, you know, you will use the Eddie and Fitz example. We're much more comfortable talking and hanging out and doing these kinds of things than we were two years ago, right? Because we've done them. And there's no way that you can replicate those reps outside of just doing it. And there's moments that are awkward in the beginning. There's moments where, oh, I talk over you or you talk over me or, you know, I'm not great at reading the intonation of your voice. 
but it gets better the more you do it. And I think that's Henry and Derek. I think uh, that's Derek and Darren. That's Derek and Brian Edwards. That's Derek and anyone. Because that relationship between quarterback and wide receiver is one of the most important relationships that you will find on a football field, and it just takes time. And to go back to what we talked about earlier, Fitz, the patience. It's so easy to be like, hey, he's the number one wide receiver off the board. I want 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. That's not reality sometimes, and that's okay. Yeah, it, we're going to keep you guys getting involved in the conversation. 702-365-9200 is how you give us your unexpected MVP. You can also text us RNR69187. We're going to do more of that as we come back. We'll get you more thoughts on the unexpected MVP. Plus, I'm still going to – I promise you, at some point I'm going to tell you why this season is not going to be what last season was. I promise you we'll do it next. It's uh, the JT The Brick Show, sort of. It's really the fifth quarter takeover. Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. We're back to the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT, here's ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. And Eddie Pascal. <laughs> that was the best one, Damon. That was the I mean, best one. Getting better, that, getting better. It was pretty good. Like, maybe next time we should just let you do both of our names. I don't know if there's a fancy way to do that, Damon. He's, he's, Damon's doing God's work today because we're trying to, like... This is that moment, if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody where you're trying to laugh at something so that the entire Thanksgiving doesn't get ruined. Because really, my name, Jason Fitz, is on the show, and Eddie Pascal's name, not so much. So we're just trying, you know, we're just trying to make it through, Eddie. Like, you know, some, you somebody... gotta laugh. You gotta laugh through the tears, right, Fitz? Laugh through the tears. You know, it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's. It, we're gonna make it right, buddy. We're gonna make it right. I mean, not, not for a very, very long time because I'm kind of liking the way this is playing out. But so far, so good. You guys can chime in seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. We're asking you for your unexpected MVP. Plus, you can text Raider Nation Radio. All you have to do is send us a text to RNR six nine one eight seven. Do have one piece of uh, news for you. The Raiders have released former Saints and Ravers wide receiver Willie Sneed, who quote wasn't playing much and asked for release per his agent Drew Rosenhaus. Quote, there will be a market for him. I'm sure there will be, Eddie. This doesn't surprise me because what we've seen is an emergence from young players on this offense that are getting a bunch of snaps. So if you're Willie Sneed and you feel like you got something left, you don't want to do that 10, you know, 10 snaps a game. You want to get actual time on the field. Yeah, and I'm with you, man. And we and think about it this way: we've listed all these incredible dynamic offense, uh, offensive weapons. Talked about guys that have really contributed in a big way, <clears throat> and we haven't brought up Willie Sneed's name. And that's no shot at Willie Sneed, right? That's just the reality of the 2021 Raiders. There are a lot of guys that need to eat on the offensive side of the football, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like doesn't look like Willie Sneed will be doing that. So, best of luck to him. Best of you know, hope he lands on his feet somewhere. And like you said, as his agent said, it sounds like there's going to be a market for him. Yeah, certainly there will be. And uh, also, that's a great statement to the depth in the room positionally if you can let somebody that there will be a market for walk to have a better opportunity for themselves. We're letting you guys chime in. 702-365-9200. Let's try Gangster Raider on. G- Gangster Raider, what do you got, man? Thanks for calling Eddie and Fitz. Hey, what's up, Fitz? And what's up, Mr. Pascal? Finally get to talk to you. Seems like I've been knowing you forever. Congratulations on your wedding and all Oh, that. thank you, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But I got to check you on one thing. Don't you ever, ever, ever call another grown man. I don't know where he was going with that, so I, 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 don't, I didn't know. DeMond, we lost DeMond getting safe. Oh, DeMond says, no, sir. Okay. Now we've got the awkward moment. Go oh, ahead. Yeah, DeMond no, being safe. I, I appreciate that. Uh, we'll respect that all day, every day. Not sure where you were going. Do we still have Gangster Raider? Or is he gone? Is he gone, DeMond? Let me see. All right, well, we'll see where he gets in with this. I, he's yeah, still, he's still here. I, I just, I just, I just, I'm just, I just got to be careful, Gangster Raider. 
Uh-huh. That, yeah, so I, I, I'm not He's doing back. nothing good. <laughs> I'm still here. What happened? Uh, we we just lost you. Uh, give us your give us your unexpected MVP, brother. My expect unexpected MVP on defense. I got two of them. It's Perriman and um, Casey Jr. And on offense is Zay Jones and Brian Edwards. Both of them were unexpected to me. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I really didn't expect much from Perriman because I thought that he was injury prone and. um I thought Hayward had lost a step, so they both impressed me. And Zay Jones, he stepped up. It's like he always stepped up when we need a big play when it's like third and long. And um, Brian Edwards, he finally stepped into the role. I thought he, I thought he, we were getting when he first came out of college. So them are my um, unexpected MVPs. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Oh, that's, it. That's that's great. Those are great names. And by the way, Brian Edwards having a great time. Eddie, I, I think we got to acknowledge that Brian Edwards would have been a much higher draft pick if it weren't for health questions about his college career. Came in last year, had some health issues. Like, now that he's healthy, I think we're seeing who he can be. And Zay Jones, good call. Like, if you look up his stat line for the whole year, six catches. Why does it feel like every one of them comes at a time, though, when it's like, oh, my God, they needed that catch? You know, it's so funny, too, about Zay, and you're 100% right with Brian Edwards, where if his pre-draft process is a little bit different, I mean, this is you look at him play on Sunday, and this is not a guy who should have fallen to, to the point that he did in the draft. But you look at Zay, and is there a player on this team, Fitz, that has done more with his I think it's fair to say limited opportunities than Zay Jones because if he what was it six catches that we got for Zay? Yeah. He probably has that on six targets. It feels like every time the ball goes his way, he's coming down with it. And I think that's a credit to the offensive staff. It's a credit to Zay for staying ready and just knowing like, "Hey, I'm not I'm not the guy on this offense that's going to get 10-15 targets. I'm not Darren Waller, right? But I know the ball's going to come my way. I know it's going to be in a moment where I got to rise up and do my thing." And give him credit because time after time after time, six times, in fact, this year, he's done just that. I mean, you think about the, the, the count, and I rarely do this, like counting targets, but if you know the backs are going to get five catches a game and you know that, you know, at the end of the day, Waller's going to end up with six catches a game and uh, Hunter's going to get six catches a game, like it doesn't take much math to get to the spot where you realize that the Raiders, to feed the mouths they need to feed, have to throw the ball between 30 and 40 times a game. That's interesting for a team that we all know has loved to run the football. Like, you got to get a lot of plays in and a lot of drives. You're going to have to move with tempo just to feed that many people. And it's interesting. Now, uh, all of that leads me to I'm finally going to pay this off. Yes. Everybody keeps telling us, Eddie, like, why is it different? Why is it different this year than any other year of the last couple of years? There's two answers to this. One, camaraderie. And two, the eye test. And they actually play together. The eye test is the term that the College Football Playoff Committee always uses when they talk about their rationale for putting Alabama ahead of Cincinnati, for example. It's like, it's the eye test. If you watch them, you see it looks different. If you watch this Raiders team, it looks different. The explosiveness looks different. The control, the word I keep using, and it's a shot trick, looks different. The understanding of where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be, looks different. Situational awareness looks different. Like, it feels like a team that is galvanized together in camaraderie. It's brought, they've, they've come together in a way that they're playing for each other. You can feel that on the field. But it also feels like a team that steps up with true purpose every time they run a play. Like, nothing feels lost. And we can't say that the last couple of years. That's why it feels different. There's a gauntlet coming up with three or four games that are going to be really difficult against playoff caliber football teams. But part of the reason I feel good going into that gauntlet isn't because you're going to win all four. Like they're later, like I keep saying, this team is not going to go 15 and two. They're going to lose football games. But to see them turn around from a losing streak, to see them in the process of, of, of having to sort of go to the bottom of the, the, the valley 
but also come together in that process, not tear apart, and come together with better purpose and better direction, that's not something we've seen the last couple of years. That's why I think it's definitively different this year than it's been the last couple. Can I can I add a third uh, item to your list there, Fitz? Yes. Is that okay? I'm just going to say the defense. The fact that we have a legitimate defense where, look, you go back to a year ago, and, and this team was, we were 6-3, and three, right? That's kind of the, the, the magic number for the past couple of years, 6-3. and three. And you feel good. But I think even in the back, if you were going to be very honest, if you were going to pull Raiders fans and say, even in your heart of hearts, at that point in the season, you still knew deep down that this defense was a, was a liability. You knew that. I, I think that if you were going to be open and transparent with yourself, if you were going to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, what's my biggest concern about this X version of Raiders team? It's going to be the defense. And that is not the case anymore, brother. We have a legitimate defense. We have a defensive line that you talked about earlier in the show that gets after the quarterback like nobody's business. You have depth on the defense, which you have not had in a very long time in this building. And you still have a top 10 offense led by a quarterback who is arguably, depending on who you talk to, playing the best football of his career. Now, throw in the fact, like you said, Fitz, that the chemistry is there, that this is a team over the past two weeks that we have seen become abundantly clear that they are playing for each other, that they are in sync, that they know what the goal is. I I think, look, we have a lot of football left to play. You talk about that gauntlet when this team comes back from the bye. Away to the Giants. It's very hard to travel east. You know that as well as I do. Then you get the Chiefs at home, the Bengals at home, and then on a short week you go to Dallas – Those are four really, really tough football games. And yes, I know the Chiefs are not having the type of 2021 that we all anticipated, but trust me, they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to be okay. So when we wake up, Fitz, I'm very curious, on the day after Thanksgiving, after we have given thanks for all the incredible things in our lives, our health, our family, hopefully a lot of Raiders wins in between now and then, that is the date, Fitz, November 26th, that I'm going to be very, very intrigued by to see where this Raiders team is standing. Yeah, I think you're right. That's the spot I actually said on Sports Nation on ESPN the other day. That's when I'll talk my talk after Thanksgiving because I think you've got to wait and see how they line up. And look, we all know the Chiefs aren't playing well this year. Doesn't mean anybody looks forward to playing the Chiefs. Like, that's just real, you know. Uh, But there's this element to what you were talking about. And I constantly say that our relationships with our favorite football teams are like relationships with significant others. You know, like we have these very weird love-hate relationships. And it's sometimes it's dark. And the one thing you know is when you're dating certain, you know, like Eddie, I know you're married, but you know, you got to think back to your dating life, right? There were times that you would sit there across from somebody and say, she's not crazy. She's just, she's not crazy. She's just this. She's just that. Like she's just, we've spent a lot of years when it comes to the defense saying, no, 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 no. They're not, they're not good. They're just working this out. They're just working that portion out. It's just this. We've always had an excuse. This is the first time, and this is why you marry this one. Like, you could sit down and say, she's not crazy. Like, there's no yeah, but to this defense at this point. There are elements of this defense that are going to get better over the course of the year. But even if they didn't get better over the course of the year, this defense can beat anybody. They can, on any given Sunday, compete with any team. And we haven't been able to say that for a long time. Most of the time on Saturday, you're saying, if the defense can just do this, we'll be fine. Now you walk in and say, oh, man, I can't wait to see if their offensive line can even figure out our defensive line. Like, that's a much different sales pitch even to ourselves when we look at our favorite team. Oh, I mean, it's it's night and day compared to a year ago. And, you know, I will do this time and time again. Give Gus Bradley and his staff all the credit in the world because, my goodness, and you said it earlier, Fitz, coaching matters. Clap, 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 clap. It just does. It just does. But the fact that this defense, and I think you bring up a great point, where this defense is playing really well. 
Like you look at the stats, you look at everything. You pat, you talk about the eye test. This defense is a legitimate defense. They are playing well, but it still feels like we have room to get better on that side of the football. We talk about Trayvon Mullen not playing. He will return. You talk about some of these guys that are going to get back in the mix that are going to keep playing better. Brandon Faison is two weeks in and he looks like the second coming of Deion Sanders, right? Like he's a dude. <laughs> he's a dude that's gonna, I think, get better. I mean, I don't know how else he could get better, but like he's a dude that's gonna get better. The depth is there on this defense. And it does not feel like we have seen the best version of that group yet. So if that to me is such a kind of realignment of, of mindset where you're like, to your point, hey, you know, as long as the defense can keep the, the Chiefs under 40, it's like, hey, as long as the offense can score 21 today, we're going to be good. Like how much of a, a complete 180 is that from a year ago? Yeah, that, that's what feels so much different and why this year definitely feels different. Uh, Damon, you got you got a, a tweet for us or a text for us on the text line? Yes, I do have a text. Everyone kind of freaked out when they took Ruggs over C.D. Lamb and Jerry and Jerry Judy. But as of right now, Ruggs is more of a th- is more of a threat and a challenge for defenses than either of those two. So I was covering the draft. I do that every year for ESPN. And it's one of my favorite things that I get to do. Uh, I, I love live, eat, breathe the draft. If you had asked me on draft day to rank my receivers, I would have put Jerry Judy at number one. I will never lie to everybody about that. I think that Jerry Judy's route running, I mean, I had I had guys that I trust around the game tell me that Jerry Judy's route running was the best they'd ever seen. I talked to Nick Saban about Jerry Judy and uh, about the wide receivers in general, and he spent the whole time waxing about Jerry Judy's route running. I think we all fell in love with that. Uh, it's also fair to say system and coaching matters. Jerry Judy has been put into an offense without a quarterback and uh, and has not really thrived the way I thought he would. C.D. Lamb has moments of brilliance and then moments where, you know, he's okay. I think see, I think it's really possible all three of them are great wide receivers. Henry Ruggs has ex- far exceeded what I thought when the Raiders took him as the best of the wide receivers. And Jerry Judy has been a disappointment in Denver. But I still think all three are really capable players. We're just watching the maturation process of Henry Ruggs in front of my eyes. That I didn't know. I, I didn't know this quickly he could grow into this many different routes. Look at that casual name drop, man. Yeah, I was just hanging out with Nick Saban. Yeah, we hey. were just, yeah, we were just, you know, crushing brewskis, hanging out, just being dudes, Tuscaloosa stuff, me and Saban. I mean, Saban, I, I wouldn't, like, I'd say we were being dudes. Saban would more say I was being a, like a pestering fly in the room. Like, you just swapped me away, trying to get me out so we could talk to the real analysts. Do, do, we, have a, do we have time for a quick Saban story? Because I actually do have a kind of random, yes, funny please, Saban God, story. Yes. We're going to so, make time, yes. We uh, After we drafted Henry, so that was, what, 2020? So it's the peak of COVID, right? It's the peak of, you know, we're all still getting used to doing the virtual stuff. Uh, and uh, Coach Saban very graciously said that he would hop on a Zoom with us and talk about, about Henry. And so he comes on, and, you know, his PR guy gets everything set up, and we're, you know, we're having our conversation, you know, and he's very engaging. He's locked in. And then after it ends, he wait, he's waiting for the PR guy to come in and shut everything down. But he's sitting in his desk. So he's sitting at the desk, you know, in his very fancy chair. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, I'm, I'm never going to have a shot to do what I'm about to do again. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta hit him with a roll tide. So I'm like, Hey, you know, coach really appreciate you. And it's kind of an awkward silence. Cause he's waiting for his PR dude. And I go, uh, Hey, roll, roll tide coach. And Saban just, he just looks at me and he's just Roll Tide. And he was, you could just tell, he was like, God, I, he's like, I knew this guy was going to ask. I knew he was going to say it. I knew he was going to say Roll Tide. And I thought I was going to get out of it. And he just, Roll Tide. 
That's amazing. Now you're an Oregon guy, though. Like, did that hurt your heart to say Roll Tide? To well, roll, I mean, look, Roll Tide. Let's be honest. Roll Tide is one of those things just to yell like after you've had a, like a few brewskis. Be like, yeah, hey, Roll Tide. All right, Fitz, see you tomorrow. Roll Tide. Like, it's just it's a fun thing to you know. It's fun. It rolls off the uh, rolls off the tongue pretty well. You know, I I always thought Eddie and I needed a signature handshake. Now I think we need a signature sign off. That's what I've decided. You guys chiming in seven zero two. 365-9200. That's how you can tell us who your unexpected MVP is. You can also text us, RNR69187. That's the way you get involved in the conversation. Eddie mentioned the gauntlet coming up. I'll tell you coming up why I'm confident that the Raiders will come out of that hot. We'll talk about it next on Raider Nation Radio. JT, the Brick Show, fifth quarter. Eddie Pascal, Jason Pitt sitting in. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Iole Tequila, the official tequila of the Henderson Silver Knights. This is the JT The Brick Show. With JT out, here's Jason Fitz. And Eddie Pascal, who's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, now we're getting a little bit too... I mean, DeMond is taking it to another level. What are you, like, paying him over there, Eddie? What's going on? Listen, the... the uh... Situation, the agreement that Damon and I have is candidly none of your business, Fitz. Oh, that's fair. Look, I, I'm all in on it. Next thing you know, uh, I'm going to be left off the show tomorrow completely. But will Damon <laughs> say my name? I'm going to have to get his Venmo. He's going to keep keep holding this above our uh, our head. Private, hey, private Venmo, Vince. Private Venmo. Yeah. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Who's your unexpected MVP? RNR six nine one eight seven is how you tweet or text us. To get in on the conversation, Eddie Pascal, I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT the break. Uh, I'm going to give you a a beacon of light in a dark, dark world. I'm going to give you a reason to hope. I'm going to give you a reason why I feel like we should all be fired up for a game on the East Coast against the Giants after the bye week, Eddie. And it's not just because we're 5-2. and Are you ready for this? Hit me, baby. New coaching staff, self-scouting, first opportunity. Like, this is the first real chance for the coaching staff to sit down and say, we got a couple extra days. What have you always wanted to do? What have you wanted to implement? What can we change in the playbook? How can we bring a little bit more of our flavors into this pot of stew? Like there is a moment for me where I'm looking at it saying, this is such a prove-it moment for for Olsen particularly, for Greg Olsen, for Versace a little bit, but for the offense to come in and say, hey, we can be whoever we want to be. We can do whatever we want to do. And frankly, even as much as we've been in love with the defensive side of the ball, new head coach means new opportunity to say, hey, Why don't we try this wrinkle? Why don't you guys work on bringing in a little bit of this or a little bit of that? There's a real tone that can be brought into bye week. I think there's an opportunity for a coaching staff to come out against the Giants and surprise people a little bit. That is, to me, why I look at this and say there's a huge, huge moment of prove it for the coaches coming out of the bye. I mean, that's that's an incredible point, man. And frankly, it's one that I haven't even really thought of, to be honest with you, as we've kind of dove headfirst into the bye. But I wonder, Fitz, in your professional opinion, if if you're Coach Basaccio, if you're Ole, if if you're Gus Bradley, if you're their respective staffs, do you place more emphasis on the past two games that was kind of essentially your recipe? Or do you look at this year in totality and and kind of pick and choose and and self-scout really from week one all the way up to now? I think you're just looking at the last two games. Hey, who have we been and who do we want to be? You know, and so much of that, and, you know, there's a really interesting position on a lot of coaching staffs that fans don't always think about, and it's an advanced scout. So, you know, I've got a buddy that was a former NFL head coach for years, was on staff, and his only job was to look at the opponent three weeks out. So all he did was, like, he spent his whole week building the book on the opponent three weeks out. So by the time they got to that, they're all passing these books down. And so coaches have the opportunity to really start to look ahead, right? Well, I think what the Raiders are doing right now is a little bit of look ahead, but a lot of look ahead 
from where they want to be offensively? What can we change formationally? What do we like about what we're doing? We were sort of pushed into this with no real notice. Who do we want to be outside of the two weeks of reactionary? Like, this is their first chance as a staff to be proactive. So I think they're looking at the last two reactive weeks and saying proactively, what are we building for? Yeah, and I think it's, I think you're, you're in a, if you're Coach Basachi, if you're this team in general, I think you the buy is coming at a perfect time. And look, the buy, I tell people all the time, I don't care whether it's week two or week 18, the buy always comes at the perfect time. If you're an NFL team, you need to have this chance to unplug, to reset, to get healthy. And to your point, Fitz, really look back at, hey, what's worked? What hasn't worked? And now in the case of the 2021 Raiders, we're five and two. How do we keep building on this positive momentum and really kind of go into this second half, attack this second half with a few new wrinkles here, a few new wrinkles there, kind of figuring out who we want to be and really put our best foot forward for the remainder of 2021. But uh, Damon is telling me, Fitz, that we got to get back to the phone lines. We're going to go to Pool Hall. Am I saying that right, Damon? Is that Pool Hall? I hope so. Pool Hall, are you with us? Yes, sir, I am. Are you in a pool hall? Uh, no, no, that's just what I do on the side. Um, I'm a crossing guard in California, but I'm a huge Raiders fan, and I love Las Vegas as well. That's home Appreciate away from home for me. Well, thanks for taking care of the kids. That's an amazing thing to do. What do you got? What's your yeah, take? Can I just say uh, thank you to all the crossing guards out there. We work harder than a lot of people, and people don't give us credit for what we do every day. So I appreciate everybody. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so I just wanted to say um, I got two things. So Henry Ruggs is my choice, but I got the best nickname for him, and I just want to put it on the air. Magic Carpet. I think that's just the coolest name for Henry Ruggs. Just because he's on a magic carpet ride and like he's just out there floating yeah. on, 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 on floating in air? He can do so much still. You know what I mean? He's doing so much for us right now. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, look, I, I don't know if I buy that. Damon, are we buying that nickname? Thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. Uh, Damon, are we buying the nickname? I'll give him the A for effort. As, like, I, I kind of like the thought of being like maybe if he'd have gone genie, like everybody – like I'd rather be the genie than the, the magic wishes? carpet. I mean, first off, hey, big shout-out to all the crossing guards out there because our man Pujol is correct. They do an incredible job, they, a very important job that often gets overlooked. And shout-out to all of our crossing guards out there. I will say this, though. A magic carpet – essentially, he's talking about all the things that it does. A magic carpet has has one job, though, right? Like it's just to get you from A to B. Like it's a, it's a mode of transport – Granted, a mythical, ethereal, spectacular mode of transport. Yeah, you say that, Eddie Pascal, but if a magic carpet showed up at your door, would you just say, you're just a mode of transport? No, you give it a little bit. Put a little respect on that magic carpet name. If a magic carpet showed up at my front door, I would have a lot of questions is the first thing. And secondly, my second question would be like, yo, is there a seatbelt on this thing? Because I'm not, I'm not going like 75 miles an hour down, uh, down the 215 here, just keeping my fingers crossed that the fiber of this, uh, this magic carpet it's, is going to keep me safe. I'm but it's a it. magic carpet. That's what magic carpets do. They keep you I'm like, my God, what are we doing here? Like, Eddie, obviously no, this needs the magic to be, this carpet's going to be, gonna protect uh, you. We need to dive deeper into this. Uh, magic carpets, dangerous or no? Because yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about it. How do you stay on? No, it's a it's magic, people. Like the magic carpet's gonna like hug you and snuggle you while you're in the air in a way that you still feel like you're getting all of the 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 joy that you need traveling. The real question from the magic carpet, like if a magic carpet showed up at my door, my first question would be, where's the genie? Because I want to get my three wishes out. Like that's 
Like, I'm, I'm not interested in the magic carpet. I'm interested in where the magic carpet came from. Like, there's no, no, there's no one in the world. So there's got to be at least another magic carpet. And then I can roll up to Eddie's place with another magic carpet and be like, yo, look at what I got. And I got one for you, too. That's a friend. And then me and Damon would be like, hey, man, it looks like you got two magic carpets because I'm not getting on this uh, very questionable mode of transport. So you can go. You got to get two of them. Damon, if I show up at the studio with the magic carpet, you hanging out with me? You know what it is? I would be afraid, but I think I'd have to do it for the experience. Thank you. Of I being mean, on a magic. I would be scared to death because I'd be like, hey, man, I don't see a seatbelt like Eddie said. I don't I don't know how this actually works. How do I control the speed? Do I talk to the carpet? You know, these are what the things- you guys are like. You guys are really burying the lead here. We get on one magic carpet and then we sing Aladdin the entire time. I mean, just a whole new world the entire time. I'm obviously the male part in this one. But yes, we sing the, the Aladdin the entire time. Listen, man, if, if we get on a magic carpet, it is it is a whole new world. That is a completely new world for the three of us. I don't know if any of us have experienced a world in which we're cruising around in the uh, in the magic carpet. Fitz, real quick, would you skydive? Since you're totally okay with the magic carpet, would you do oh that? Oh, my God, no, I would never skydive. Like, skydiving is a terrible idea. I just yeah, so. Yeah, but so it's is not, going on on magic carpet, bro. I would magic skydive. Like, if there was some magic portion of it that was a lot, like, that I knew wouldn't let me die. Like, I'm going to believe that the, you know, the funny thing is, I'm just going to peek behind the curtain for everybody for a second. As we were coming back from break, Damon said, got one segment left in the show. Let's go out strong. Damon, I'm not sure this is what you had in mind. I don't know the magic carpet breakdown is really what's getting us there. I, I, thoughts on this one? We got two minutes. <laughs> and I have been skydiving before. It's pretty fun. You should try it. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, Henry Ruggs, is he, like, what part of Henry Ruggs is a magic carpet? Because, like, Henry's incredibly valuable, right? He's shown that he's an explosive, dynamic playmaker on this team. But I, I still am having a hard time finding that connection between Ruggs and said carpet that is uh, a Yeah, magic. I don't think he's a magic carpet, but I do think he's he's quickly developing into a true number one. And that's, like, to be real for a second, that's such a great thing for a wide receiver that has a lot of pressure coming out of the first round of the draft. I'm not always a fan of drafting wide receivers in the first round because you can get guys in the second, third, fourth round. I think that wide receivers starting to be valued a little like running back. You can get value later. Is it the smartest pick? But when it doesn't matter where somebody's pick, if they end up being the contributor, you need them to be. And what we're seeing from Ruggs is the ability to get open. And the more he's able to get open, the tougher that's going to make it for people to justify bracketing Darren Waller, for example. The tougher it makes it to bracket Hunter Renfro. And the way that this offense runs with so much working in the interior for guys getting open in short range, it becomes all the more important that he become available in 12, 15-yard passes. Kind of a meta question, and Fitz, maybe this is something we pick up tomorrow. Do you need to have a true number one receiver in air quotes if you have Darren Waller? No, I don't think we do. I, I don't think you do. I think Darren Waller is the number one receiver for this team, which is why he had so much fantasy value. But more importantly, the more you get other receivers stepping up that way, the more we're going to have to continue to acknowledge that it only creates more opportunities for everybody else. A lot of mouths to feed, but they will all be fed. He is Eddie Pascal. And for Demond, for everybody involved, I'm Jason Finch. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for letting us take over today for JT the Brick.